Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Wednesday, May 22nd, 2019. It's been over three weeks now since the famous open letter to the world's Novus Ordo bishops accusing Francis of heresy was first published. And if you recall, with that letter also came an online petition that people could sign to appeal to the Novus Ordo bishops to take this open letter seriously and get some action taken against Francis. Well, on a prior episode of this podcast, I predicted that the petition would get no more than hmm, about 3,500 signatures. Well, turns out, I was wrong. As of today, the petition has garnered no fewer than 5,753 signatures. Well, with that kind of support, I would suggest that they take every single one of those signatures and forward them on to the Vatican and make sure they end up on France's desk. That'll show them. Seriously, what was the point of that? This past Saturday, May 18th, the anti-abortion March for Life took place in the city of Rome, Italy. Most people have probably not heard the recorded message Francis sent out in support of this endeavor, but not to worry, Novus Ordo Watch has your back on that. Here is the exclusive audio released by Francis. Had it been a march in support of migrants, clean water, integral human development, or sustainable agriculture, you know the Frankster's lips would still be moving. Oh yeah, and while we're on that topic, on May 3rd, Francis gave an address to the participants in a Vatican conference on mining for the common good. Quote, We need to ensure that mining activities lead to the integral human development of each and every person and of the entire community. Unquote. The anti-pope said, hitting on many of the talking points he puts forward in his eco-encyclical Laudato Si. He stressed the importance of, quote, special care for indigenous communities and their cultural traditions, unquote, adding that, quote, for them, land is not a commodity, but rather a gift from God and from their ancestors who rest there, a sacred space with which they need to interact if they are to maintain their identity and values, unquote. I really don't think I need to comment on that, do I? All right, one last thing on Bergoglio. Yesterday, May 21st, it was chicken soup for the soul once again at the Casa Santa Marta. In his daily blather session, also known as his weekday homily, Francis asked his sheeple to go forward in life with the ability to make the heart smile. People like that, he said, quote, know how to smile at everything. Unquote, adding that a, quote, sense of humor is very close to the grace of God, unquote. Yep, this is the greeting card spirituality you will find at your local grocery store. And one day, people will figure out that if that's what Catholicism is, then nobody needs a pope for that, or a church, or even an organization. You can just grab a Hallmark card. 
Meanwhile, the Reverend Kevin Cusick has written a piece for The Wanderer, the newspaper that is to conservative Novus Ordos what The Remnant is to the Semitrats. And in his latest article, posted May 20th, entitled Eleven in the World, The Pope is a Catholic, Mr. Cusick is using desperate argumentation to keep people believing that Jorge Bergoglio is the Pope of the Catholic Church. The question that if he's the Pope, then why is he preaching heresy, Cusick answers with this brilliant rejoinder. Quote, Let's clear the air by making one thing clear. The Pope is Catholic. If the Pope were not a Catholic, the dubia would never have happened. If the Pope were not a Catholic, none of the other growing list of letters... <laughs> The growing list, I love it, of letters, petitions, and other appeals would have occurred. Yes, Pope Francis is... <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, Pope Francis is indeed a Catholic. Because he is a Catholic, it is incumbent upon him to consistently profess and teach the true Catholic faith. And that has become a concern. It is precisely because Francis... <laughs> Because Francis is, <laughs> pardon me, because Francis is both Catholic and the Pope, that so. <laughs> we interrupt this program for a brief moment. It is precisely because Francis is both Catholic and the Pope that so many are voicing concerns about his way of enunciating the faith. The faith is not ours to manipulate or to change so it can't be changed back. None of us serves Christ if we do not all share in the mutual submission to him in the truth, from least to greatest in the church, unquote. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Father Cusick is confusing something here. It is not because he's a Catholic that people are trying to get him to profess the Catholic faith. It's because he's not a Catholic, and yet they believe him to be the head of the Catholic Church, the Pope. That is the problem. If they didn't think he was the Pope or any influential member of the Catholic Church, well, then they couldn't care less what he thought or professed about anything. It's the idea that this obvious modernist, indifferentist, communist, and secularist is the Pope that makes it all so dramatic. But the Pope, any true Pope, is not just supposed to teach the true faith. He actually and necessarily does. That is the guarantee that God has given to the papacy. That is what Vatican I means, where it says, quote, For the Holy Spirit was not promised to the successors of Peter that by his revelation they might disclose new doctrine, but that by his help they might guard sacredly the revelation transmitted through the apostles and the deposit of faith, and might faithfully set it forth, unquote. And that's uh, Pastor Eternus, Denzinger, number 1836. The teaching of Vatican I is descriptive, not merely normative. That means that the teaching is describing how the Holy Ghost protects the papacy. It is not simply a rule that the Pope is supposed to follow. It is a description of what the Pope actually does. He does not invent new doctrines, but faithfully sets forth 
the contents of the deposit of faith. Mr. Cusick also says in his Wanderer piece, quote, No pope is above a reasoned examination of his words and actions, unquote. Well, that is certainly true with regard to his personal moral life, in which he can be rebuked by any Catholic if he sins and causes scandal, but it is certainly not true of his magisterium. On September 10th, 1957, Pope Pius XII said in an address to the General Congregation of Jesuits, quote, Let no one take from you the glory of that rectitude in doctrine and fidelity in obedience due to the Vicar of Christ. Among your ranks, let there be no room for that free examination more fitting to the heterodox mentality than to the pride of the Christian and according to which no one hesitates to summon before the tribunal of his own judgment even those things which have their origin in the apostolic see, unquote. See, the problem is they have way too many people in the Vatican II sect, and especially among the semi-traditionalists, who all pontificate about the papacy, what a pope can and cannot do without really knowing much about the papacy. They all have an opinion that they're more than happy to share. People like Chris Ferreira, Steve Skojak, Michael Matt, Taylor Marshall, for example. But they really never bother to look up in the old Catholic theology books, manuals, and catechisms just what that teaching on the papacy actually is. All right, uh, changing gears here, we come now to Mr. Blaise Supich, the current pretend Archbishop of Chicago, who recently apologized after the controversial father, Michael Pflager, had invited the leader of the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan, to speak at his parish church. No, of course Supic didn't apologize to Catholics, silly, or to Novus Ordos, for a Muslim speaking in what is supposed to be a Catholic church. No, 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 no. Supic apologized to the Jewish community because Farrakhan had said to the crowd that he was there in order to, quote, separate the good Jews from the satanic Jews, unquote, and other things in that direction, according to a report by the Jesuit rag America. Supich issued his apology, quote, to my Jewish brothers and sisters, whose friendship I treasure, from whom I learn so much, and whose covenant with God remains eternal, unquote. Well, maybe someone can tell him that there is now a new covenant, and that that new covenant is the one that is eternal, not the one that the new covenant replaced. See Hebrews 8.13 and Hebrews 13.20, for example. But then, Supich may simply not know that there has been a new covenant in place since 33 AD. I mean, it's not like he's actually a part of it. Tratcast Express is a production of Novus Ordo Watch. Check us out at tratcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novusordowatch.org slash donate.